This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. speak to us and to come and guide us so the words of jesus must mean everything to you especially if you come to church take your holy communion if you don't come to church and the words of take jesus your holy don't mean communion. anything to you i don't have a problem are you with me if you don't come to church and the words of jesus don't mean anything to you i don't have a problem but if you come to church Are you with me? If you come to church, the words of Jesus must mean everything to you. Reason is that, you see, everybody else who spoke about God and about what God wants spoke based on what they were told to say. Are you with me? So they spoke as the Spirit of God led them to speak. So they just say what they needed to say. But in the case of Jesus, he spoke not only what he was told to say, but also based on what he knows. John chapter 3. I want to show you something. John chapter 3. And I want you to go to verse 30. This one is describing Jesus. No man has ascended. Please, can somebody put up this monitor for me? I told you on Tuesday, or when I stood there and I told you that one of the speakers has a problem. Attend to it. You didn't attend to it. You see, he says, No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven are you with me so you see jesus is not speaking based on what he has heard but he speaks based on what he knows in other words in other words as he's here telling you to do this to do this is based on what he knows that you're doing this or doing this it's implication in heaven you see you see i can tell you what you should do but if i'll be honest with you i have no clue what it means in heaven 
unless i just follow i just say it because jesus said it but like if me i tell you do this i don't know what it means in heaven but coming from my house and knowing how my house is if i meet you outside and you are coming to visit me and i tell you what to do as you are coming to my house i know where you are going so i can advise you to do something where you are now that will benefit you when you get to where you are going because where you are going is where i stay for example i've met you somewhere and i'm telling you that you are coming to visit me you must come it's summer but come with thermals like something that will keep you warm don't forget your jerseys because i know that in my house winter summer autumn spring it's always cold so every morning you need to you need the thermals to keep warm you see i'm giving you the information based on my knowledge of where you are going now here we are being told that you see no man not no man has ascended to heaven no man but he that came from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven are you with me now this morning i feel strongly in my spirit to emphasize that jesus is different from any man his words are important for your life and for my life i said his words are crucial for your life and for my life the reason is that his words will be counsels or will be advice as well as instruction based on facts not only here on earth but in heaven as well secondly he knows how the earth runs he knows the forces that governs here he is aware the governing forces of this earthly life and therefore every advice he gives us or every instruction he gives us is in I mean, it takes into consideration here as well as heaven most human advices does not take into consideration many factors for example somebody will advise you marry this guy but the truth is that the advice is based on what they see now but not what will come many advices are incomplete that is why as a pastor when i give somebody an advice and it's not like i'm quoting a scripture even, even when i'm quoting a scripture i'm careful i tell the person that you know what this is what i think but you are free to decide what is best what you think is best for you i always tell people i always tell people because you see as a man i know in part 
I don't know completely that what I'm advising you that is not good may actually turn because I, what I'm seeing, I'm seeing what it is now, but I don't know what it will be in the future. You see, as I'm seeing this person, the person looks good. The person has everything that you can you can want you want to expect in another human being, but I don't know what the person will become when they lose something valuable to them and that may change the person for good and that may make the person unsuitable for you at that time and for the rest of your life so i'm I'm conscious but not so with jesus i said but not so with jesus hallelujah and therefore therefore listen We've been preaching or I've been sharing with you during this offering times on Mark chapter 4 verse 25 that Jesus said, He that hath to him more shall be given. And he that hath not from him even that which he hath. You see, so here I I drew a, a, a note that even though the person is being described as not having, he still has something small. Maybe what he has is not enough to register on the scale, but it doesn't mean there's nothing. There's something. That he was supposed to work on it to make it become something. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, this is the words of Jesus. And he said this after having said or given us a warning in terms of how to hear or what to hear. In other words, when somebody is speaking, you must learn to listen. Not listen as in terms of keeping quiet. But listen as in terms of think about what the person is saying. For some of us, some of us, when somebody is advising us, we are quiet, waiting for them to finish so that we'll say what we have to tell them. Is there anybody here like that? It's like you, you, as the person starts to speak, you have ready what to say to the person. So all that he's saying, you are quiet so that he can finish speaking for you to say, but. So you, as he's speaking, you are not thinking and analyzing what he's saying. Because if you were to have analyzed what he said, you would discover that the answer you are giving is not needed. The explanation you want to give, because the person is not speaking for you to give an explanation. The person is just speaking that, listen, I know what has happened, but this is what I want to tell you. And then you say, okay, and move on. The person is not asking you to justify yourself. But you see, our nature is that we always want to justify ourselves. Because of course, Anything we do, we have a reason for doing it. You see, the, the one who is at the sound there, I told him, I stood here on Friday, 
and I said, there, were, there was a sound coming, a humming sound coming from the speaker. And the two speakers are connected. So, using my understanding, I said, if it's something that is not with the speakers, it should be both. The sound should be coming from both. But the sound is coming from only one. So the problem is not with the origination of the sound, but the problem is with the destination of the sound. So check the speaker and make sure that, and I promise you, he didn't check it. After we finished, he's like, oh, to hell with you. He, he, didn't, he didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. But it's like, He didn't say that he acted with he acted that because if i ask you to check something and you don't check it what do you mean what are you saying you get it so it's like he didn't think about and, and then and then if, if if i talk to him he will give me a reason but but the simple thing that happened to him was that he didn't take note of what i have said do you get it because maybe it's like, oh, he just said it. He's talking. I mean, he likes. He always very fussy when he's here. The sound, this, that. I mean, that it's okay. We'll just finish. So as soon as we finish, he will forget. Do you get it? And sometimes when people are with you, they form their own opinion about you. So what, when you say something, is that, oh, that's how it is. Don't worry. I mean, it's just one of those things. So, so, you see, when you say that your mind doesn't register it, you forget. So, instead of telling me he forgot, if you like, ask him now. He will give you a lot of reasons. He will explain to me why it was not done. Or Selby, don't you have a reason? Now, now, you see, so what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is telling us something that there is a way to listen. There is a way to hear. That makes more be revealed to you and be given to you. When I'm talking to you, if I perceive that you are understanding what I'm saying, I'll move on to the next page and give you an information that would encourage you to even go further. But if I see that you are arguing with me, in your mind I'll keep quiet people who are wise and who have a lot to say to you gauge how much they say to you by your initial response so it is when they see you are responding appropriately that they talk more to you when they see that oh, okay this you see, they assess you. People who are wise, in one of the ways of their wisdom is to know what they can affect and what they cannot affect. It is wisdom to be able to know, this I can change, this I cannot change. Are you with me? It is wisdom to know what you can change. So they are always, it's like that aspect of them kicks in naturally naturally so you determine how much you get from them you determine how much you get from them 
So Jesus is telling us something very simple. That, verse 24, that take heed what ye hear. Please, can we have another nicer because with what measure ye met, is it a meter taxi or And I'm, I'm expecting you to get other translations. I keep on asking. Don't you have other translations? What effort are you making to get other translations? It's okay. You let. I don't know what this translation is saying. Please give us the NLT. The NLT is fine. Then he said, pay close attention. To what you hear. Pay close attention. In other words, listen carefully. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given, and you would even receive more. You see, Jesus is showing us how to increase in life. I said, Jesus is showing us how to increase in life. I said, Jesus is showing us how to increase in life. You, you see, most of us want to increase, but we don't know the steps that will lead to, to your increase. You see, what happens is that in every society, in every grouping, in every organization, in every situation, a lot is not given to you at once. Depending on what you demonstrate with the letter that is given to you, that is what determines how much is given to you. Of course, except in a corrupt environment where it has nothing to do with you, but it has, it has to do with how well corrupt you yourself are. But you see, Jesus is telling that, that when you pay close attention, you understand when you understand, you ask the relevant questions. Now, asking the relevant questions is going to mean more things will be said. There's a portion of scripture I'm trying to remember in the Gospels where Jesus said to somebody, you are not far from the kingdom. He came to ask Jesus a question. Something like, what is the most important thing to do? Like, what is the main thing that a, a person who, who has God and wants God must do? And Jesus gave him the answer to love mercy, to love judgment, to love justice. Then the man responded. The response of the man made Jesus go further to tell him that you are near. Step further. It will work for you. And the Bible says, go back. So go back. Let's read there. Go back. And the scribes 
No, let, let's go to the question the scribe asked. You see, he, he perceived the scribe was listening to people that had come to tempt Jesus. And when they finished the temptation and Jesus has answered them, he asked a question. He said, please go, go back to where he asked the question. You see, you guys don't read your Bible, so it's difficult to find things. The scribe asked a question. The scribe asked a question. It's just a few verses above. It's a conversation. Please, I hear some people say 28. Just go there. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. You see, the scribe would have said, okay, I hear you. But you see, this is what the scribe said. He said, master, he said, well, master, thou hast said the truth. For the, and he, you see, he was rephrasing the same thing that Jesus said to him. He said, for there is one God and there's none other but he. In other words, he's telling Jesus that what you said, I've understood it. That what you said is true. There's no other God. There's only one God. And this is our God. And to love him with all your heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more, you see, this is, the scribe is showing that what Jesus said. You see, what did Jesus say? He came to ask the Jesus a question. I, I hope you are hearing me. He came to ask Jesus a question. But the response of the scribe to Jesus tells or told Jesus that he, he was not just asking the question for asking sake. But he actually listened and analyzed it because he then was able to compare it with what was commonly done among the Israelites, which is to bring sacrifices to God. So, so it's like he commented, like let's say among Christians, what we do when we go to church, we sing, we do this, and then we give offering. So it's like our offering giving is like our bent offering. Are you with me? Now, when Jesus spoke, Jesus didn't mention bent offering. But the scribe told Jesus that what you have said is more important than what we have been doing, which is true. So, so what he gave to Jesus was that I heard you. I understood what you said. And the Bible says when Jesus perceived and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, maybe, maybe give us, I don't know what version we can get because this answered discreetly. 
It's like he answered carefully. Because discreet is to be careful. I mean, I don't think that's what the meaning of that, the context. When Jesus realized how insightful, when Jesus realized how insightful he was, you see, because when somebody speaks, what, what he says next depends on you. Hmm. I think I'm talking to myself. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually, the preaching is not, it, though I'm preaching, it is for all of us. And I'm the number one person. Because, you see, your ability to listen, analyze, and draw a conclusion from what has been said is what will determine whether more will be said to you or not. Young ones, that when your parents are talking and an elderly person is talking, you are waiting to answer back. Listen, don't spoil your life. Your life holds beauty. Your life holds wonders because of Jesus Christ in your life. Don't spoil it. Listen. Listen carefully. I said listen and listen carefully. I said listen and listen carefully. It will cost more to be spoken to you. I said listen and listen carefully. And hear well. You see, Jesus realized. What made Jesus realize he was insightful? Because he was able to connect what Jesus said to what was the prevailing circumstances. Because in a in a in a portion of scripture, I think in Isaiah, God said. Away with your offerings. Away with your offerings. I can't stand them. He says, away with your offerings. I can't stand them. Because, you see, it doesn't take a lot for human beings to just stick to something and continue doing what they are doing. In other words, before you realize, the thing has become ritual. And that brings me to my point. Please, can you look for that verse for me? It's in Isaiah. I think Isaiah. He said, away with your offerings, your burnt offerings. The burnt offerings were meant to just remind you that there is a God. That rules in the affairs of men. This God must be obeyed. You can't continue disobeying me and coming to throw your offerings in my face it's, it's offering time by the way I said it's offering time by the way you can't continue doing the wrong things and then come and give an offering and expect God to be moving at your behalf is God a waiter you, and you see many of us Christians we live a life that is 170% contrary to God's simple instructions. And yet we come to church and we go offering and we are expecting God to be affected by our offering. Oh. 
He said, bring more no vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbath, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity. Even their solemn meetings. Are you here with me? I said, are you here with me? You know, let's hear what Jesus is saying to us. I said, let's hear what Jesus is saying to us. Your offerings can go far for you if you be diligent to obey him. If you be diligent to fight, to walk the way he says you should walk. And listen to me. At one point or the other, we all will fall into sin as long as we are in this flesh. And please don't limit sin to sex and to drinking and to smoking. You see, even drinking is not labeled as a sin. No, no. But it just says the one who drinks a lot has woes and wounds. Mm-hmm. Because when you drink a lot, you go to work drunk. When your boss is talking, then you start insulting him. <laughs> you get it? And alcohol releases you of your inhibitions. So you start to display at work. I mean, it's the wrong place to display. Even in your house, you must display limitedly. Are you with me? Yeah. So I'm saying that don't limit. We all will do something that is sinful in the eyes of God. Are you with me? I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about some of us that are Christians. But we have made and built houses in sin. It's like we have a living room uh, a boy's quarters, uh, a three-bedroom, and an office. We live in sin. Not we fall in sin, we live in it. With permanent structures. No, we, you have to get out of it. Because you can't accept to live in sin and come to church and give God an offering and expect him to bless you. It doesn't work that way. You may fall in sin. God is merciful. He will take you out and wash you clean. But when you have made your house, you have built permanent structures and you are planning to do an extension. Do you get it? And lay some recreational spots. It's like you have built your gardening and doing a lapper in the sin. No, no. That one is not a mistake. It's intentional. I said, it's intentional. You need to reject it. I said, this life is not my life. I want to get out. Lord, help me. I'm coming out. Because I love you. Oh yeah, and Satan is not going to release you easily. But God will deliver you. I said, but God will deliver you. 
So um, we are talking about offering. And I'm showing you how linked to the scripture. That, you see, if you hear well, I said, if you hear well, you will increase. Well, when the man said to Jesus, what you have said, I can see is more important than our emphasis. Jesus said, what? You are about to enter the kingdom. I can see you are not far. I can see you are not far. May we be close to our destination as we hear. Because every hearing you hear, it takes you closer to your dream. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And I pray that we will hear. And as I end this session, I want to show you something that improves your hearing. To hear well. Especially from God. You must have the word of God a lot around you. You see, what I'm sharing with you, like what I'm sharing now, I have, it's not written anyway. It's not written anyway. What I know as I got up this morning is that I'm coming to, during the offering time, I will speak on he that had. Are you with me? But do you realize that because the word of God is a bit more in me, I am able to explain the message not with stories, but with Bible scriptures that actually explains the point. I may not remember exactly where they were, where they are, like you know, the GPS location, but I know the town. I know the suburb. Are you with me? Yeah. So I'm not sending you to Genesis. I know that it's in Isaiah somewhere. Because I've been there before. I said, because I've been there before. And I keep going there and reading it. So listen, to hear well. To hear well, especially the word of God. Because you see, the message I'm giving, as I pop up the scriptures, it makes it clearer even to me. It makes it even clearer to me. You will hear more when the word is more in you. And it pains me. It pains me when you take time every Sunday to come to church, but you don't make an effort to buy a good Bible. That, it hurts me. I'm, I'm telling you what hurts me. Because I am praying that, oh Lord, let them know. And most of you can buy a Bible. Most of you can buy a Bible. Because if you don't have a Bible, you're not reading. So I'm coming to the reading. But I'm starting with the buying a good Bible. Most of us, the, the reason why we don't read is the type of Bible we have. That's number one. If there's a Bible at all, the type of Bible you have 
it doesn't make readable. It doesn't make it read. I mean, you don't, it does, you don't enjoy reading it. Some of you, the reason why you don't eat a lot is because the food that is cooked is not nice. So it's your way of just saving yourself. You get it? So in the same way, you don't read the Bible and you don't read it a lot because you, the Bible you have, it doesn't make reading easier. It doesn't make reading nice. I naturally don't eat a lot. Don't, don't, it's not about the cooking in my house. After the cooking in my house, I think, I mean, anybody who comes to eat in our house, you'll find out that they eat. As I'm cooking in my house, it's something else. It's another dimension. Do you get it? Yeah, it's another dimension. That one, that one, that one, I know it for a fact. Do you get it? But generally, as a person, food, food is a problem for me. It slows me down when I have things to do. Do you get it? And then also, as I'm growing older, I can see that eating late is not good. So I have a policy that the fact that you have been given a bowl of food doesn't mean you must eat all. Eat enough to keep your stomach quiet for the next appropriate time. Do you get it? Yeah, some of you say, ah, but they brought it for me, so what do I do? <laughs> so even 12 midnight, you are eating like 12 noon. So, listen, a good Bible is important. Look, the day I bought, the, or the year I bought a good Bible, my Bible reading changed. And I bear testimony of it in 1991 when I joined this church. I heard the pastor, Bishop then, Bishop Doug, preaching. Pastor Doug, we called him, preaching and spoke, speaking about buying a good Bible. I was not rich. I was a student, but I invested my money in a good Bible, and I want to tell you for a fact that I have no regret. I have no regret. And you, you will never regret when you invest in buying the Bible. And you know, for a moment, I felt that maybe a good Bible is too expensive for the students until I started buying textbooks that my children will use for six months for over a thousand rands, then I said, no, I will be confident in telling the students that buy a Bible for a thousand rands plus. Oh, yes. Because I, look, there are many textbooks, since my children started investing, the textbooks is for six months, it's for a semester. And so there's thousand five. And I said, ah, thousand five hundred for six months. But what can you do? You want them to be educated. That's the price. So when it got to a stage, I said, then I must make sure I buy them a good Bible. So I bought Dick's Bible for all my children. I, we don't have one that we share in the house. No. Everybody has a Bible. Everybody has Dick's Bible. If I can buy you a textbook of 1,500 for six months, why should I not buy you 
a Bible of thousand rands for your whole life. And those of you that are parents, please make sure your children, you buy them. Don't let them ask you. And then those of you that say, we don't have money, this, that, that. Let, let me show you a very simple way. Are there five to ten people in your life that you know they like you or they love you? Not they love you as in terms of wanting to sleep with you. Ah, everything you reduce it to sex. What's wrong with you? Are there five to ten people in your life that you know that, oh, this person is nice, good to me? Is there anybody like that? Five to ten people. Five to ten people. You mean you don't know five to ten people in your life? As I said, the younger ones, they're non-working class. You don't know five or ten people in your life that likes you, that are happy to. Ah, seriously. Oh, then I need to pray for you. And, and listen, listen. Then you must be in the church well. Because when you're in the church well, you have five, more than five people that love you. And be involved in the church, be in the ashes, be in the choir, do something, you get a family. You see, me particularly, I'm not a nice person, or I don't look nice. When I say I don't look that, generally, like outwardly, when you see me, I'm not a, like a friendly, social person. But when I interact with you, you realize that, oh, I'm a cool guy. Do you get it? So, I don't have many friends, but in the church, I have many people that will always be there for me. So, I, I, I have a family in the church. And what I wanted to say is a pity you don't have 10 people in your life. But what I wanted to say is that if you had 10 people in your life, and I think you have, you just don't know that they love you because you are angry with them because they told you the truth. Yeah, you know, sometimes when they say he doesn't love me, when you go and ask, what did he do? You will find out that all they did was to tell them the truth, that you must bath. That you don't like bathing. So the person always tells you you must bath. So he doesn't like you. That's why he says, he's always complaining about me. If I ask, what is the complaint? You discover that it's actually bathing issues. Hallelujah. Good. So listen. But what you can do is that you send these 10 people that you know what? I found a Bible to buy. It's 1,000 rands. It's Dick's Bible. And I want you to support me with 100 rands. I want to give myself a birthday present. Whether your birthday is past or is coming, you just say you want to give yourself a birthday present. So you are asking them to support you with 100 rands to buy a Bible. There's something about Bible as a person or as a young person when you mention it to anybody that you want to buy it they will give you money is there anybody i advise you to do that and you got a bible here come come when did i advise you um, before June, in Be, May. In May. And then what happened? 
I asked my mom and she gave me 500. You told her you are going to buy a Bible or you are going to do your hair? No, Bible. <laughs> I asked for money to buy a Bible. And she gave you 500. Now, come, come. Does your mother give you money all the time when you ask her? No, no. There's something. There's something. I said, there's something. Look, I, I had a cousin in the U.S. When I got born again and I wanted to be serious, I told him, please, buy me a good Bible. When he visited home, he brought me the Bible. He brought me the Bible. I just told him, I wrote a letter to him. Those days, there's no email. There's no WhatsApp. So I wrote a letter. And I told him I need a Bible. He didn't forget. I said, he didn't forget. I asked him for a Bible. And recently it occurred to me, I must send him pictures of the various churches that has come out of my life as a Christian. And tell him that I remember when I wrote to you to buy me a Bible and you brought me a Bible. Today, the Bible you brought me has made me a good father, has made me a a husband, I don't want to add the adjective good or not. That one. You see, whether you are good or not, let your wife say it. Don't say it. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Because women, they see things differently. Has made me a pastor and whatever else it has made. Just the word of God. So I want to encourage you that to hear more, it, you will hear more when you have more of the word. I don't know how it does it. But it works. I said, but it works. And so, remember that one of the traits of he that has, as we are doing it last week, I showed you, is what? What is the trait? You see, you forgot it. It's diligence. It's diligence. Diligence is what you need to have the word of God in you. Because there will be thousand and one reasons why you cannot have the word of God in you. But you see, in 1 Timothy 4.13, you see, give attendance to reading. The Passion Translation says that do your diligence or something, something to diligently devouring the word of God. To diligently, not 15. It's 13. Is it till I come? Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Is there anybody here with the Passion Translation? The Passion Translation. It says it very nice. When I read it, I've never, that particular, the way it said, it said, do your diligence devouring the word of God. It said, do your diligence. It's like, be diligent. Because without your readiness to overcome, without your, your readiness to persist, Satan will defeat you at attempt to read the word. 
Amen. So I want to really encourage you in this festive season, get a good Bible. This is not the time to go and buy a hair. And you know, you know what? Let me, let me say something. Get, get them on. You have, you have a, the Passion Translation. Okay, please read it. Read it. I hope I didn't come from, we didn't, we were not from the same place. We, we are not from home together. Okay, she's surprised. Like, how can we be from home together when I slept in my home? <laughs> okay, no, I just want to make sure because sometimes people feel that, oh, he's a con man. He has organized the people and people, the things people say. Okay. Um, First Timothy 4.13 it says, so until I come, be diligent in devouring the word of God be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers be diligent in devouring not tasting not tasting I said not tasting not tasting because many of us have been tasting the word of God and it is therefore not having much impact on us how can something give you a disease or make you healthy when all you do is to taste it you have to devour it you have to eat it eat it and you see do what is it what does it say do thy diligence be diligent in devouring be diligent in devouring be diligent be persistent be relentless. Because if I will tell you, if there's any place Satan will fight you, this is the place. I said, this is the place. Satan will fight you at different places. But this place he will bring all his troops. This place of reading the word of God. Oh. All the troops are gathered to stop you from reading the word of God. Because he knows what the word of God will do to you. Because the word of God accomplishes wherever it is sent. In other words, wherever it is sent, wherever it is. And is it a wonder that Jesus said, abide in me and my word abide in you you shall ask what you will the other point i want to make which sometimes we don't understand is this how many of us want god to help us how many of us believe god will help us good can i ask you a question would you help somebody who neglects something precious you have given to them. But do you know that that's what we do? What do I mean? What do I mean? Let me explain it. John 6, 63. Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you. I said, he says what? The words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
Now, what it means is that the word of God, and, and the same Jesus also told, or it was quoted in Deuteronomy, but Jesus re-quoted it in Matthew. When Satan came up to him and said he should turn the stones into bread, in uh, Matthew 4, 4, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Meaning that food, that is bread and the word of God are in the same category. They are food. Now, the bread is food for your flesh. The word is food for your spirit. I said the bread is food for your flesh. The word is food for you. Because Jesus said the words are spirit. Because spirit doesn't eat rice and kinky. Or rice and, uh, 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 and, uh, and steak. Or pap and fleece. Spirit does not eat amaguinya. Or sparklo. Spirit does not drink Komazi. That which is spirit, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spirit eats what is spirit. The words are spirit. Now, Jesus came all the way. He struggled, did everything just to die. And be, and be ra- raised from the dead so that you can be born again. In other words, your spirit can be reborn. Now, after all that price he has paid, when God brings you to him and you get born again, all that price is just for you to have a new spirit. And then you neglect the new spirit, the reborn spirit. You don't feed it. You neglect the spirit. And you say, God, help me. Meanwhile, when what is precious to him that he has given to your life lies unattended, neglected, and then you keep coming to him that he should bless you. Don't behave like Esau. I said, don't behave like Esau. Esau despises what is sacred. What is precious to God. That is his birthright. He's being born as the first child and the blessings of God that comes with it. When he was hungry for food, he said to his brother, what is a birthright to me? This nonsense thing, when I need food to, so that I don't die. So listen, many Christians have been making a big mistake. We neglect what is precious to God in us. And we go back to God and we say he should help us. If you were God, would you help you? I said, if you were God, would you help you? So, you see, what I'm teaching you may not sound like I'm teaching you to prosper. But this is prosperity. Prosperity is to not neglect what the one who can help you has given you. Your show of respect your show of value to what he has given you 
to what is precious to him in you would make him give you more. I hope you're understanding it. So don't, don't take it lightly. When you wake up in the morning and you don't read your Bible and it's like, oh, nothing has happened. It has not rained. No, a thunder has occurred. A foundation, something is wrong. Something evil has happened to you. It may not look it, but an evil has happened to you when you wake up the whole day and you don't, your spirit doesn't eat. I don't know how often the spirit eats. I don't know how often the spirit eats. And I will not propound a theory on it. But some of us, the day turns into weeks. It turns into months. And it turns into years. No Bible reading. And we are expecting the pastor to do magic. Church, it's an offering time. But I know I've preached seriously. It doesn't look like it's offering time, isn't it? It's like, I mean... This is a a sermon. Are you with me? But you see, we are not here for the offering. We are here for your spiritual well-being. You see, when you are spiritually well, you will not give an offering. You will give yourself. When you are spiritually well, spending money on God is, is nothing. It's like spending money on a lover. Yeah, when you are spiritually well, you, God will be your lover. No human being will satisfy you. It's because you are not well. That's why a human being makes you all over the place. Let's rise to our feet and pray briefly as we give this offering. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give this offering. Lift up your offering. Some of you want to pay your tithe also. Please lift it up. There's a bank account that you can also give the offering into or do a direct transfer. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this occasion. Thank you for this moment. As we give, we give remembering that you are the giver of all things. And you will help us to even receive more from you as we obey your word. As we strive diligently to cause your word to abide in us, we would ask what we will and you shall do it unto us. Because your word never fails, and because you never lie, we know it is true. Lord, help us. Stir in us a strong desire for your word, and give us help to never turn back, but to continually have your word in us. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platform.